0: This is Finding Center, a daily half-hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is spiritual guidance. Jane H. Lassiter, assistant professor in the BYU College of Nursing when this devotional address was given, will share her BYU devotional address entitled, Lead Me, Guide Me, Walk Beside Me, Life Lessons with the Holy Ghost.
1: When I was asked to give this devotional address and choose my own topic, I felt completely overwhelmed. I ran to the office of my dear friend Peggy Anderson, who gave a devotional address last fall, and she assured me the topic would come. That very evening, after I said my prayers, the music and words to the familiar child's hymn, I Am a Child of God, came to my mind. I've always treasured this song for its elegant, inspired simplicity, and I'd always considered the chorus words—lead me, guide me, walk beside me, help me find the way—to be a child's pleading for help from parents and teachers. But that evening I realized these words could also be the feelings of a prayerful heart, asking the Lord to lead, guide, and walk beside through the guidance of the Holy ghost The connection between the words of the Chorus and Doctrine and Covenants section 112 is apparent. Be thou humble, and the Lord thy God shall lead thee by thy hand and give thee answer to thy prayers. I felt truly humbled by this insight and assured that I should talk today on lessons I have learned about following the promptings of the Holy Ghost. What a wonderful thought that we can be guided, taught, and protected by Deity in our mortal journeys on earth. Many people would think it sounds like science fiction—that God and His Son love us and watch over us and communicate teachings and warnings directly to us through promptings of the Holy Ghost. That seems so amazing that it is almost beyond imagination, but I testify it is a divine truth. I want to share some of the lessons I've learned about receiving, recognizing, and responding to promptings from the Holy Ghost and suggest some ways we can all better develop these spiritual skills. I grew up in a home with amazing, faithful, and inspired parents. My father worked as the Executive Vice President of Upland Industries, the real estate arm of Union Pacific Railroad. How appropriate it is that I was the caboose baby! The fifth of five children, arriving some ten years after the sibling closest to me in age. For those of you who don't know, a caboose is traditionally the last car on the train, and notably it's always the cutest part of the train. <laughs> My brothers married before I was old enough to remember their weddings and and my oldest sister married when I was only six years old. I didn't like the idea of my sister getting married and gave my new brother-in-law quite a hard time. However, I learned to accept him, love him, and appreciate his role in my life. In fact, he taught me one of the first lessons I can remember about being led and guided by the Holy Ghost. My late brother-in-law, Patrick Clark, served a mission in Chile in the mid-'60s. One of his most memorable mission experiences happened during a two-week period when he and his companion traveled with the mission president and his wife, and Elder Spencer W. Kimball, and his wife, Camilla, on a 3,000-mile tour of Chile, holding branch and district conferences as they traveled. They rode in a 61 Chevrolet station wagon with three rows of seats along the Pan American Highway which was a narrow cement road with no shoulder or painted lines to identify lanes. Many rivers and deep canyons crisscrossed the path of the highway, necessitating bridges to span them. Most of these bridges were very narrow. Late one afternoon after holding a conference in the most southern branch of the Church in Chile, they headed north along the Pan American Highway. Patrick was driving. His companion was in the front passenger seat. The mission president and his wife were seated in the back row, and Elder and Sister Kimball were in the middle row. As they drove along, they approached a narrow bridge which crossed a deep canyon with a river gushing below. Elder Kimball suggested they pull over and stop. Patrick questioned him, saying, Do you want to stop here where there's no shoulder, or do you want to drive a ways and find a better place to stop? Elder Kimball repeated, stop here. Without further hesitation, Patrick pulled the car over and stopped. Then he realized a semi truck was approaching the opposite end of the bridge in front of them. As the truck entered the bridge, the front wheel came off, causing the truck to roll over. Patrick and his companion jumped out of their car and assisted the driver out of the wrecked semi truck. After the truck was removed from the middle of the bridge and things settled down, they continued across the bridge and up the road. As they reflected on what happened, it became obvious if Elder Kimball had not told them to pull over, they would have arrived at the bridge at the same time the semi-truck lost its wheel and rolled. They would have had nowhere to turn and would very likely have been killed in the collision. Patrick asked Elder Kimball how he knew they were in harm's way. Elder Kimball explained that the Holy Ghost had whispered to him, Pull over! Pull over! The young elders were so impressed with his inspiration, but also wondered why they had not been warned. After all, they were missionaries living close to the Lord. Elder Kimball explained to them that the Holy Ghost had not overlooked them, but they were not listening they would not trained themselves to hear the still small voice. Elder Kimball encouraged them to hone their senses to the promptings of the Holy Ghost. In a minute we will talk about some ways to do that. Now if you will come with me to another part of the world, 44 years later, when I was in Tonga with another nursing faculty member, Shelley Reed, and eight nursing students, we were there to learn about Tongan culture and how to provide nursing care in culturally mindful ways. In these beautiful islands, I learned the importance of acting on promptings when I received them. While we were in Tonga, one of the few inter-island planes crashed, and the other inter-island planes were grounded pending an investigation. This meant any travel between islands had to be by ferry— we would already traveled by ferry once, from Vavau to Tongatapu, and had planned to make one more inner-island trip to Awa. As the day for this trip grew closer, it became apparent that the planes would still be grounded and we would need to go by ferry, this time on a much smaller ferry than our first inner-island trip. I began to feel uneasy about the trip. In fact, it became pretty clear to me that I should not go. I did not know why, and the prompting seemed to be for me personally, not the whole group. In addition, I felt a responsibility to be with the group, and staying back would mean I'd be alone in Nukolofa for my birthday. That didn't sound like fun to me. Nevertheless, the promptings persisted. Finally and foolishly, I decided I would go to Awa and be really careful. We completed the two hour ferry ride to Awa without incident or seasickness, which was a blessing. We visited a small health clinic and toured the island a bit that evening. Consider for a moment how isolated Tonga is. And the island of Awa is isolated in Tonga. It truly feels a million miles from anywhere. And there's no lights along the road. The night darkness is deeper than I've experienced anywhere. We only stayed one night, and I was ready to return to New Kulofa. As you can imagine, I was a bit nervous, feeling I was there against heavenly advice. The ferry left very early in the morning, well before sunrise, and we had to travel to the dock in two groups because there was only one vehicle available to transport us that morning. I offered to go with the first group of students. When we arrived at the dock, the only light around came from inside the ferry. Looking into the ferry, I could see quite a few people had already boarded, and I felt concerned about securing enough seats that none of our group would have to stand for the long ride back to New Kualofa. I thanked the driver, jumped out of the vehicle, and scurried across the dock ahead of the students, hoping to secure seats for our group. Unbeknownst to me, there was no plank to provide a walkway between the dock and the ferry, and my eyes were fixed on the seats inside. As I stepped where I thought a plank would surely be, I felt the dreadful sensation of falling. My arms instinctively reached out, trying to grasp the side of the ferry so I would not fall to the ocean below. I did not succeed in that effort, but I did manage to badly scrape my arms and legs on the side of the ferry. As I hit the water, I knew this was why I had been warned not to go to Awa. I continued my descent a long way down in the water, even in the watery deep. I immediately began to pray and apologize for my disobedience while also pleading for help. I struggled mightily in this disorienting watery darkness, but somehow managed to find my way to the narrow passage between the side of the ferry and the wall of the dock. Eventually, I was able to reach the surface of the water. Illuminated by the light from the ferry, As I looked up, I could see the horrified expressions on my students' faces melting into looks of relief. I was grateful to breathe air again. I thanked my Heavenly Father that I had survived so far. But my troubles were not yet over. I was still in the water, and it was dark in that narrow watery space between the dock wall and the ferry. I couldn't figure out where to go, so I treaded water until I felt like I no longer could. Then I looked up, and a Tongan man had laid down on his stomach on the dock and leaned far over the edge, extending his arm to me. Braced by a large rubber tire attached to the dock wall, I could reach up and just barely grasp his hand. How comforting the grasp of his hand was! Symbolically, how important it is for us to look up when we are in need of help. My students shouted encouragement, but I soon began to lose strength in my arthritic hand. Just then a young Tongan man was at my side. I don't know how he got in the water, but I remember the overwhelming gratitude I felt for him and his bravery. He did not speak English but managed to guide me toward the front of the ferry where the dock surface was closer to the water. There, two large Tongan men reached down, each grasping one of my upreached arms, and quickly pulled me to the safety of the dock. The Tongan women gathered round me to comfort me and tell me more about what I'd just experienced. They told me it was a miracle I'd survived. They explained that the ocean was unusually calm that morning. If there had been the slightest movement in the ocean, I would have been crushed between the rocking ferry and the dock. My knees went weak as I realized the tender mercies I experienced and felt the love of my Heavenly Father, despite my disobedience to the promptings I had been given. Angels, seen and unseen, helped me through the peril I had created by my disobedience and taught me a lesson I hope to never forget— Interestingly, I am left from this experience with a constant gentle reminder that I need to obey the Holy Ghost promptings. You see, when two large Tongan men pull you out of the ocean, you come out in a big hurry. The strain of the pull on my right shoulder wrenched it enough that to this day, nearly four years later, I continue to experience varying amounts of shoulder discomfort. I let this pain serve as a reminder that I not only need to listen to the still, small voice, I need to obey so I can have the Holy Ghost lead and guide me through my mortal journey. The lessons I've shared thus far have been about inspiration warning of great peril. Fortunately, such situations are rare, but promptings from the Holy Ghost are not rare. Our Father in Heaven and His Son Jesus Christ care deeply about the details of our lives. If it matters to us, it matters to them. As I share this next story, I hope it brings to mind memories of times when you have been blessed by our Heavenly Father's watchful care and promptings from the Holy Ghost. My parents moved to St. George a few years after they retired. I loved to visit them there and escape the cold and smog of the Wasatch Front. After one visit, my daughter Lara and I left to drive home. We just passed the 14-mile marker on I-15 north of St. George when we had a flat tire. I pulled over to the shoulder and quickly reached for my phone to call my dad and ask for his help. He was at the neighbor's, but my mom went over to tell him of our plight. In the meantime, a couple of nice men stopped and began to change our flat tire. They were just finishing when my dad pulled up behind us. He got out of his car and thanked the men for helping me. My dad and I visited briefly and said our goodbyes once more. I got in my car, started it, and tried to pull forward but could not. Something was wrong. My dad was behind us, so he had not moved. We got out of our cars, and he took a quick look at my tire, went to his trunk, and removed a two-by-four piece of wood and a hammer. Something was hanging underneath my car in the wheel well and onto the tire, preventing it from rotating it. He placed the two-by-four along the top of the tire and hit the other end of the board with his hammer, moving the dangling piece out of the way so the tire could rotate freely. When I looked at him, I noticed he was a bit teary. I thanked him and he said, there's something you need to know. When I entered the garage to get in the car and come to you, I felt prompted to take a two by four and a hammer. Although I wondered why in the world I'd need a two by four and a hammer to change a tire, I gathered them and put them in the the trunk. They were exactly what I needed to fix your car. Now I was teary, too. A loving, watchful Heavenly Father had communicated to my dad through the Holy Ghost to help me with a need neither my dad nor I knew I had when the prompting was given. My heart filled with gratitude for my Heavenly Father, my wonderful earthly Father, and the Holy Ghost. I felt so loved so protected, so safe. Our Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost care about the details of our lives. So how do we learn to be better in tune with promptings from the Holy Ghost? It's sometimes difficult to differentiate between a spiritual prompting and our own deep emotional desires. Elder Boyd K. Packer explained, quote, The spiritual part of us and the emotional part of us are so closely linked it is possible to mistake an emotional impulse for something spiritual." As we strive to be in tune and act upon the promptings we are given, we will begin to better differentiate a prompting from an emotional impulse. Promptings come in various ways to different people and at different times in our lives. Just as we have various learning styles in college classrooms, we have unique needs for learning about spiritual guidance. So our Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost customize our individual learning experiences with spiritual promptings. For me, promptings often come as sudden thoughts or feelings, like when I suddenly understood the chorus to I am a child of God in what was a new way for me. These sudden impressions are often things I've never thought of before, producing something of an aha moment. Promptings from the Holy Ghost are always consistent with the gospel and always edify us as we are taught, reminded, warned, or encouraged to provide a service for someone else. Promptings from the Holy Ghost are often described as still and small, Sometimes the noise and chaos of our busy lives is anything but still and quiet. As I was preparing for this devotional, I felt the temptations of Satan to be angry and irritated by minor inconveniences of life, preventing me from being still so I could receive promptings which I felt I needed— As I studied and prayed, I read about Joseph Smith's experience when he was unable to translate one morning because he had argued with Emma. Only after he would taken time to pray, calm himself, and ask Emma for forgiveness was he able to continue the work of translating. I believe it is similar for us. We need to avoid contention and anger so we can be still and ready for the quiet promptings we yearn for. Since reading about Joseph Smith's experience, I've tried to be less irritable, so contentious feelings are less likely to interrupt my ability to receive and recognize spiritual promptings. Since then, when I feel irritation surging through me, I shake my head and say to myself, Cancel, cancel! to help me remember the high cost of contention, let it go, and move on. This might seem like a silly signal, but it helped even on Saturday when I discovered my water heater burst and sprayed water all over my furnace room and flooded part of my basement. We need to find times and places we can be still and quiet to help us sense promptings. For all of us, these times should include at least daily prayer, in which we ask for the guidance and companionship of the Holy Ghost and help in recognizing His promptings. Scripture study helps our minds dwell on spiritual things and provides a medium for revelation as the Holy Ghost verifies the truths of the scriptures and teaches us how they apply to our lives. Additionally, temples are places where we can ponder the things of eternity, pray, and listen intently. In Doctrine and Covenants 96, verse 6, 97, verse 16, the Lord refers to temples when he promises, Yea, and my presence shall be there, for I will come unto it. Temples are ideal places for us to commune with deity. Each Sunday, when we partake of the sacrament, we renew our baptismal covenant to take upon ourselves the name of Christ, always remember Him, and keep His commandments. Remember the promise we are given in return. It is a very significant promise to have His Spirit to be with us. Imagine the blessing of the constant companionship of a member of the Godhead. As we strive to do our best to keep our baptismal and other covenants and listen for promptings, we will improve our sensitivity to the still, small voice. Finally, remember promptings are often very subtle, coming in ways that might be difficult for us to know we've received inspiration. Most often promptings come as gentle nudges suggesting a particular course of action. Rarely does the Holy Ghost pester us until we finally submit to His promptings. Because inspiration so often comes in these quiet, unobtrusive ways, we should not sit and wait in a state of paralysis for inspiration to direct us. Nephi said, I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things that I should do. Nevertheless, I went forth. Nephi did not wait until the way forward was clear and certain. The sacred hymn, Lead Kindly Light, also suggests our need to go and do, as Nephi did. Lead kindly light amid the encircling gloom. Lead thou me on. The night is dark, and I am far from home. Lead thou me on. Keep thou my feet. I do not ask to see the distant scene— one step enough for me. As you leave this devotional today, I hope you will reflect on your own life lessons with the Holy Ghost and ponder ways you might improve your sensitivity to His promptings. Remember, you are a spiritual being having a mortal experience. As you provide the proper context, your spirit can understand the Holy Ghost as He leads, guides, and walks beside you on your mortal journey. Live your life in such a way to invite His present and help you sense His tender whispers. I bear my testimony that our Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost know and love each one of us and they are intimately acquainted with the challenges we face. How grateful I am to be one small part of this unique university where we can freely discuss matters of eternal consequence. In closing, I express my gratitude and love to each member of the Godhead and bear testimony of the truthfulness of the gospel. I say these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Finding Center.
0: Join us every weekday for a half hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was spiritual guidance. Jane H. Lasseter gave her talk entitled Lead Me, Guide Me, Walk Beside Me, Life Lessons with the Holy Ghost. Speeches on Finding Center are often edited for broadcast. Find links to the full talks and access the rest of our Finding Center episodes on the free BYU Radio app, available wherever you get your apps.